Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 556 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we will have music from Ash. Ash Ian, he will be singing live and also we'll be having a natter with him all about his work, including his current tour with The Twang, which is in a few weeks' time. There'll be more music too because we'll be joined by Mickey Wynn on the phone to chat about his latest single too. Coming up at the Litchfield Garrick, it is their youth rep. The musical group have Jesus Christ Superstar, chatting with their director on that one. And also we'll be talking to author Katie Ford about her latest novel, which is out on Thursday. That's on the way, but first of all, from the 3rd through to the 7th of March, the sound of music will be sounding around the Wolverhampton Grand Theatre. Somebody who's got a tune or two in the show and he's going to carry them beautifully is Andrew Lancel, who's on the line now. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. How would you find you? Yeah, very good. Looking forward to coming back to Wolverhampton. It's uh, it's one of those towns, one of those venues that I always look for generally on the list. It's uh, a favourite theatre of mine. As I've played it uh, quite a few times. I've done Sound of Music there before and the mm-hmm. audiences are just uh, are always top. I'm very fond of Wolverhampton. And uh, also, they always give you a really nice reception uh, after the first night there. You get some nice pussies. That's what, yeah, it's, it's always worthwhile keeping your cast happy, and the, the theatre know how to do that for definite. But yeah, but you, it is a, it's a gem of a theatre. It's a gem. Absolutely. And, and you're keeping the audience happy as well, though, because, I mean, this is a fantastic show. Uh, is it kind of a continuation of the tour that we saw you last time when you came around? It's the same production. Uh, it's been out once before. I wasn't able to do it at the last time I was doing another musical called Scylla. Uh, when I finished it first time round, um, I think we finished in London and um, I was kind of, I felt in my bones I was going to do it again. It was just such a special show, a special production. But to give you an idea of how what, what it feels like being a part of it, it was the last play I did uh, was called The Lady Vanishes and mm-hmm. um, Nine of the children from that original cast came to see me in it They're still in contact <laughs> you know you really have a bond with people with sounding music and it's all about family it's all about hope it's all about love amazing tunes but there's something very special about it and um i, I couldn't resist coming back to it again and you know you don't get away with the show still being performed after 60 years and it's um i watch it side stage every night we've got three sets of kids who come with us an amazing new maria it's something very special and you know what it sounds corny but i kind of think it's needed in this mad crazy world that we're living in and it's uh there's so much confusion and question marks going on and i think it's just nice to sit there for two and a half hours with these magical songs with a story where the good guys get away and you know, um, uh, it's full of hope and love. Mm-hmm. It sounds really corny, that, but I, I, I generally believe it. Yeah, and, 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 you know, we're talking what would normally be spoilers, apart from the fact this is something we would have seen on film a number of times. Virtually every yeah. family must have a copy of this somewhere in the loft on 12-inch vinyl for the soundtrack of the film. <laughs> yeah, and, well, I do. And, and I we, do. Yeah, but... we, I think we've got two copies. And we, But it's something you just want to keep coming back to and seeing again. For those for whom it's the first time they arrive, they are going to get blown away by the power of all of the songs in this show. They say that you shouldn't read the reviews, but it's always interesting when um, you're out and about, and you know, particularly when you're town to town. We were in Ireland recently, and we we did uh, incredible business and amazing reactions there. And uh, uh, and one of the reviewers, a writer, said that it's if you love the film, you'll be happy with this, but if you're new to it, 
you'd be happy to. And that that was great because we really tried to kind of capture the essence of the film, the music, the magic of that, and also add our own stamp to it and make it accessible. You know, I'm not Christopher Plummer and Emily's not uh, Julie Andrews, but, you know, obviously the story is there and those characters are very familiar to people. But I'm going to suggest that you've probably sung the song as many, if not more times than, than Christopher Plummer. I suspect I I probably have yeah. And, uh, and the, I mean that's that's one thing. Well, I did forget when I was asked to come back to the show. I think I, I took about four seconds to decide to say yes, <laughs> but um, uh, I did kind of forget what a big sing it was uh, from the captain's point of view. I, I kind of thought, oh yeah, I do Edelweiss at the end. That'll do. But oh no, there's a lot more. There's a lot more in there. And boy, we have some singers in this show. And, and the, when you did this, was this your first musical that you had done? It said that somewhere. It was. It wasn't my first musical. It was my first sort of big musical. My first West End production. It was the first. Um, I mean, I've done musicals. I've directed musicals. I met my wife doing a musical mm-hmm. twenty-one years ago. Um, I was directing. She was choreographing. And so you know, and it was very much in my DNA. And I went off and did Scylla after Scylla music. But I guess it was my first big one. And um, there's few better. Well, because I mean, when people uh, are looking coming to the theatre, they will often look for those celebrity faces, and yours is one that we know. And they wouldn't necessarily, you think, you know, look and go, ah, yeah, he's a singer, because well, you did what was it, celebrity stars in their eyes some time ago? Was that one? I mean, that was your probably one of your first forays into into singing on TV. I'm going to guess. Well, yeah, live on TV. I mean, I'd been singing. I started as a you know a cab racing. I started as a singer and going around. Um, old people's homes and care homes and that kind of moved into pubs and clubs and cabaret and I still I still do cabaret I still do concerts and stuff and uh, you know the acting kind of took over and um, uh, it's I think these days it's quite common for people to be able to you know do a bit of both and um, I'm, I'm very fortunate I've got a really good relationship with Bill Kenwright and this is my 10th uh, job with him and um, the roles he gives me or, or, or looks for kind of a nice mix. It's nice to go off and do some heavy, heavyweight drama and then come back to something uh, lighter like this. And so it's nice to be able to mix it up. I'm very fortunate. You say lighter. We've got the Third Reich thrown in there for good measure at the end. Come on. Couple there's of, a couple, couple, th- of, couple of Nazis. I mean, it is there. I mean, it's listen, there's, there's children on the front row and there's old people in the front row. And it's very interesting. I'm always interested to, you know, um, explain to, uh, to children what was actually happening. I mean, the actual dates of the Von Trapp story are slightly different, but this is a true story. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this is this is why the captain for me is such an interesting part. You know, he's he's, he's lost his wife, he's lost his he's lost his uh, um, he's, he's losing his country, everything he believes in has been taken away. Fascism's sweeping through Europe, and um, uh, and so there's a lot more to him than just you know sort of singing Edelweiss. It's a, it's it's a sad story, and it's very relevant for today, I think. And what? Are we looking out for in this production then? I mean, we said that it, it is a, a, a great show. It's been well received. The critics love it. Um, I know that we've seen from the last time Sound of Music was on stage some of the uh, the performers in that coming round in different shows. So uh, who are we looking out for? Have you got well, some tips got, for the we've, top? We've got uh, we've got a new Maria, uh, Emily Fleming, new, uh, who's just a sensation, absolutely wonderful. She she's really put her own mark on it. There's something very modern and accessible about her and her singing is just phenomenal she was in Les Miserables in, in, in the West End and she's uh you, you can tell I mean she's got something very magical about the way she puts over a story and I think yeah, we work very hard on our sort of backstory and our chemistry and to, to make that kind of believable and I think she's wonderful Howard Samuels is back as Max and um uh Megan Llewellyn uh, as Mother Abbess 
oh my goodness, hold <laughs> on to your seats when she sings. You, you go, well, I, I, I do a scene and then I have to do this dance and then I go back up and I've got to get changed for the interval. I've got this big frock on, I've got to take off all this sort of bow tie and all that. And every single night, I promise you, I stand and listen to uh, her sing Climb Every Mountain. And it is, uh, dude, it's amazing. And uh, we've got these kids. I don't know what sets will be with us in, in Wolverhampton, but we've got three sets of uh, children who kind of follow us around the country. And the talent is unbelievable. And you can feel the audience falling in love with them. And when they come on for the bows at the end, I stand, I stand side stage every single night and listen to the to the sort of roar of, of love and approval. So, um, it's yeah, it's honestly, it's great to be in a show where you look forward to it. You know, uh, the, the last text I had before I spoke to you was my mate who's coming up to Wolverhampton to see it. And then we're going to a conference on the Wednesday morning down in is it the neac sandfield oh they, they keep changing the names of everything around here it's hard work yeah anyway way. and i'm looking forward to it our family say oh, we're going to do this we'll go to this place we'll go you know i'm really fond of that town well it's uh yeah going to be great to see this on stage again and it's yeah. one that you can never tire of it is nope. something for all the family and as you say the story which uh, stands the test of time and uh, a true story which i think we need to hear it's, it's, you know, it's, I keep thinking, is it, is it the greatest musical of all time? It's certainly, it's got to be up there. Mm. And um, it, it, it's, a, it's a continuous buzz to do it, to hear that, that music every night and to see those, these reactions uh, day and night. Is, uh, it's a pleasure. Well, the Von Trapps story told on stage, Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, the 3rd through to the 7th of March. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets or call the box office on 01902 429212. Andrew Lansell, Captain Von Trapp, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. rather busy sharing his music including a fantastic acoustic tour on the way he's with me now to tell me more hello sir hello mate how are you i'm good and uh, you're keeping busy yeah, yeah trying okay let's let's start off with a bit of back catalogue then where, where how did this all come together for you uh how did what come together the whole music scene thing oh uh it's what i've been doing all my life yeah 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 i've been playing music all my life since i can remember since i was in the pram so uh, this is <laughs> so what that I've been... rattle you could get a tune well, yeah 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 or an old biscuit tin or a tin whistle or something anything that would make a bit of noise Hmm. I'll be bashing on, so, yeah. And what then progressed to, you know, how, how did it, you know, the guitar come about? Was it, yeah, you know, the, the family encouraged you, or was, was it, you know, did you save up the pocket money? Or? No, 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 there was, um, there was always a guitar somehow knocking around in the family home. So there was just one there, so I just picked it up and just ended up playing it. But my first instrument is drums. I mean, yeah. that's what I do, really. I'm a drummer. That's mm-hmm. what I'm known for doing. Um, but I was playing trumpet from the age of seven. Guitar was always knocking around, so, you know, a bit of piano, you know, organ, um, mandolin. And you've not looked back? No, no. Always look forward, man. Always look forward. <laughs> yeah. So what, what was the first first break? How, how did it... What was the first form of your, you, know, you being seen publicly? My first 
pro gig, um, I was lucky enough to, to land a gig with a guy called Edwin Starr. Do you remember him? I do, yeah. Eye to eye contact. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, eye to eye contact, happy radio and all that. Yeah. And um, I was only a kid, I was 14 when I joined Edwin's band mm-hmm. um, through his keyboard player at the time. Yeah. And that was my first real exposure to full on touring and. That must have been a shock to the system at the time, though, because you've gone... Well, not, not really, no, because no? No, no, like, I'd always wanted to be a pro musician. Mm-hmm. So I was performing from, like, the age of, like, I don't know, eight and nine in, you know, like... Um, you realise that's not normal? Well, what, what, what is normal? <laughs> normal is not interesting, <laughs> yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've always been performing, because, like, you know... Um, yeah, from, like, the age of eight and nine, doing Christmas carols for, like, the old age pensioners, mm-hmm. you know. And doing like you know gigs at the town hall with the with the local orchestra and the wind band and all that you know, so I was always I've always been performing. First rock and roll band was when I was about eleven, um, but they, yeah, but from the age of fourteen I turned pro, which is good going. Yeah, it was alright. Yeah, um, and there must have been touring with uh, with all of that, and that, yeah, that yeah. must have been. Uh, again, caused the problem at school, obviously. Yeah, I, they, I they weren't keen on that. I yeah, guess. no, I, I, I didn't attend a lot. You know what I mean? But I was busy. I was on tour. I was yeah, gigging. But, I was working. They, man, but this is I mean? the sort of work experience, though, that they're normally pushing you towards. I mean, they work experience you can't buy. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's even better. I mean, I only get paid for. Yeah, paid for exactly. <laughs> even better. Yeah. But uh, what what stood out for you from, from that time, and what kept yeah kept spurring you on? Because there must have been some lows as well as the highs. No, 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 no. I've been lucky. I, I, I've, you know, I've done every kind of gig you can imagine. Do you know what I mean? Because I've been a working musician all my life. Mm-hmm. So my motto was, if they're paying, I'm playing. Mm. That's the way it is. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I've always kind of, I've always made a living being, um, how could you say, like a sideman, being a hired gun. Mm-hmm. You know, um, anyone needed a drummer, I'm available. Anyone needed a guitar player, I'm available. Anyone needed a horn player or a brass section. I'm available. You're annoyingly talented, aren't you, basically? Well, you know, skills to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, so you've got you've got all of that going on. Yeah. And reading and writing music because you're a music writer, but do you actually can you? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was classically trained on horn. I was classically trained on trumpet. And yeah. Yeah. So I, I was reading music from a very very young age. You know. Uh, so the more yeah, I talk got... to you, the more I hate you. <laughs> No, you get to like me when you get to know me. <laughs> I'm all right, actually. I'm not yeah. a bad fan. <laughs> and, 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 and again, that's probably part of all the work that you've done. You've been hanging around the right sort of creatives. Yeah. And, and that really has, has helped you push away your... I've always hung around from a very, very young age. I've always hung around with great musicians. Always. Mm-hmm. Somehow I've managed to kind of be drawn to... Well, when I was a kid, musicians who were older than me, more experienced than me, and I think that's what kind of dragged me up to a level. Because you know, when you're in people's company and they're really good, mm-hmm. you've got to be really good as well to hold your own. Yeah. You know, and then the idea is that you try and excel that level as well. So you're, you're constantly bettering yourself, whatever mm-hmm. in whatever area it may be. Do you know what I mean, whether it be technique, writing, performance, you know, you're always trying to better yourself. Mm-hmm. So that was my ethos. Anyway. But, but you describe yourself as the as the side man, but. So why haven't I already got the the platinum album collection from you? Um, because I've been busy earning a living, do you know and, what I mean? And, and, and that can sometimes and, take away from... Yeah, yeah, it's like I've just been on tour with, uh, with Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple yep. for the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know, even though you want to kind of, you know, get involved with other things, if mm-hmm. you're on tour and you're out of the country and you're away... You, you, can't, you, can't you don't be. get your own studio time, you don't get a chance to write, you are no. constantly working. Because you're on the job, yeah. yeah, which is a great thing, and I wouldn't change it for the world, don't get me wrong, you know, I've toured and, the and, world. Yeah, and, But yeah. the bits between are also work, it's not just the gig being on stage, it's the sound checks, it's yeah. the discussion, yeah. you're sitting on the it's tour. The tour yeah, and it's the travelling, tra- I mean, you know, we, you know, yeah. we do, I mean, yeah, I've done a lot of miles in my time. <laughs> I mean, You've I never like, tossed it up? Uh, 
It's too many yeah, to count. Yeah, yeah. The numbers wouldn't fit onto a calculator. <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't think. You know, what I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've been lucky and fortunate from pretty much from day one of my pro career. I've been on the road, mm-hmm. and from the age of fourteen up until the age of <clears throat> what I am now. Twenty-five. Uh, no, I'm a little bit older. Now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be truthful. Let's be truthful. But you know, I've had a lot of experience um, and life experience, and, and, and I've been in some really amazing, beautiful. You know situations that I'm fortunate to say you know that, that I've been involved with. So, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I wouldn't change it for the world. Mm-hmm. You know. But would you like to have had more time to do writing so far? And is that something you want to concentrate on? Because you, you're out um, on the road soon, doing your own tunes as an acoustic set. So. Yeah. Well, I've always been writing. I mean, in whatever form it may be. I mean, I've had my own bands. You know, since well, for a long, long time. Whether we used to have a band called the Black and Reds, which was a two-piece rock and roll band. Then I went from that, and uh, I've got a band which I've still got now, which is called the Dead Sea Schools, mm-hmm. and that's still, you know. But with the writing process with that, it's 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 kind of like a, it's a well, it's a punk band basically. Do you know what I mean? It, it is a punk band because I mean we recorded the last record in in our guitar player and our bass player's mom's kitchen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And just tracked it down and recorded the album in pretty much like four days. Do you but know that's what I mean? easier to do now than it was, say, 20 years ago. And maybe 30 years ago, it's not yeah, impossible. Yeah, obviously, te- I mean, technology's a little bit better. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You know, and, and, and it's more accessible for everybody. So everybody can, you know, get an idea, turn it into something, you know, turn it into a product pretty mm-hmm. much straight away. Do you know what I mean? With the technology that's available. Yeah. 20 years ago, you used to have to book the studio, go into the studio. You know, if you're going to record at home, it was like a little four track with the tape, <laughs> tape player. Good cassettes. Yeah, yeah. But nowadays, you know, people can, you know, and I think it was it was it Daniel Bedingfield or someone like that started that whole kind of, you know, with that big tune that he made in his bedroom. I can't remember. You know what I mean? But it's like the whole DIY thing. I think it's great because it, again, it's like a it's, a it's like a punk ethos. It's like do it for yourself. And you get to hear the creativity of the person, and mm-hmm. not necessarily the yeah you know, the, the people that have been yeah. paid to work. Yeah, them. yeah. And yeah. You, you then see the ones who are real talent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can, I mean, if you know, you're getting producers now, which and, and, and especially like you know, young, young artists, especially on like the, like the grime scene and, and, and things like that, which I think you know is like, it's that's, that's like another form of the punk scene. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because it, again, it's like these things get refreshed every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, it's, it's 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 you know, it's it's quite earthy, it's quite gritty, and it's quite real, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And people are making records in their bedroom, mm-hmm. you know, making you know videos on their phone you know in HD yeah yeah exactly I mean the technology you've got on your phone now is probably better than some of the cameras that were going 20 years ago that people were putting you know music videos out on you know Mm -hmm. I I don't know but you know it seems like it's yeah you know you know more than me in on, on that sense but I think it's more you know it's there's more possibilities to get your music out to people now. Mm-hmm. And also, as an artist, you can be more kind of um, self-contained. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily need a label to be, you know, putting money in so you can record your record, you can record your record yourself. So I think, you know, the way to get it out of people is through advertising and promo and through, you know, online presence and all that, do you know what I mean? But, yeah. But if it's good, people will pick up on it. So. And the gigs are important. Right. You're, you're, yeah. A record can often just promote a series of gigs. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you're the Glee Club in Birmingham in March. Yeah, well, I'm Play, I play drums with the Twang, which mm. is, you know, a Birmingham, in my eyes, it's a legendary band, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm not the original drummer in the Twang, um, but I, I've been in the band, what, eight years now or so, and been with them, you know, for, for a good chunk of the career, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a new record which has just come out, If Confronted Go Mad, that's doing really, really well. And you are um, Yeah, yeah, I'm all over that. I'm playing drums on it, I'm playing horns on it, I'm playing guitar on it as well. So I'm not just... 
playing. And I think people know. very often don't get the importance of the sound of the drummer and the style. And I mean, as a drummer, I'm sure you can spot drummers from the drummer a track. Is, yeah, the drummer Drum. is one of the most important things in a band, especially for live. I mean, in, in the studio, you can cover things up and you can fix things, etc. <laughs> but for a, for, for a band to be great live, you've got to have a great drummer. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who's got good time, good feel, you know, good dynamics. You and, know, and knows the music, and, not and just, knows the music. Yeah, it is yeah. a musical instrument. It is. It's, it's not just a percussion thing that you don't worry about. It's, oh no, no, no. Well, the it, thing it, is, I mean, you know, the piano is a percussion, a percussion yeah. instrument, mm-hmm. really. If it, you know, if you want to kind of get down the brass tacks, piano is a percussion instrument because the hammers hit the strings. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Okay, you've got melody involved in there, but then you've got like you know xylophones, glockenspiels, marimbas as well, which all the, listen. It doesn't. I was talking percussion when it comes to triangles, which really is a bit basic, but it still can be used well. It depends <laughs> on how you play it. It's yeah. like you know, I can play the spoons. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, which is an old traditional thing that my yeah. grandfather taught me, right? Mm-hmm. But I did a gig uh, for Tony Christie doing a horn session mm-hmm. um, through Gav Monaghan, who's a local guy from Wolverhampton. Yeah, yes. yeah, he's got the studio. Magic here. He's a ledge. Yeah, Gav's absolutely. a ledge, right? Yeah. Gav calls me up. He says, "Listen, I'm in the t- I'm in the studio with Tony Christie. Can you come down? I want you to build a horn section for him." I said, "Yeah, no problem." So I've gone down to Abbey Road, <laughs> and on the track they wanted some percussive sound so there was a few bottles laid out and Gav was like can you play these and he said to me you can play the spoons right I said of course I can play the spoons so my first session really in Abbey Road Studios <laughs> was playing the spoons for Tony yeah. Christie so do you know what I mean and it's he's like, a lovely fella as well which... he's, again another legend another yeah. legend do you know what I mean but um, you know it's, it's if something can make a noise you know from a drummer's point of view you know then theoretically you can play anything yeah from a drumming point of view, you know, mm-hmm. from a percussive element, you know. So, you know, I've been in the studio and like we've played the walls, we've played like yeah, beams chair, and chairs, chairs tables, and yeah. everything, just if it gets that sound, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So whatever the instrument may be, do you know what I mean? If it's making the right noise, you can do something you with can it. play it. Yeah. Okay. Let's so give us the details of everything that's coming up and, and the current music as well. So we've got an acoustic tour with the twang and they're all on Sundays. And the lineup of the uh, well, the roster is it's, uh, London Bush Hall on the 22nd of March, Sunday the 29th in Manchester at the Academy Two, April is Sunday the 5th at the Birmingham Glee Club, uh, the 12th is Glasgow. Actually, the Glee Club sold out, and the Glee Club sold out in three hours. That's impressive. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so that's going to be a good show. Um, Glasgow, St Luke's, and Sunday the 9th, uh, 19th at Gateshead uh, at the Sage Two. So yeah, so that's that's going to be really good. For you us. have plenty going on. Yeah, which is what counts. Okay, website then. Uh, website. Well, I've got my you know Facebook and Twitter, and it's mm-hmm. Ash Sheehan. And uh, to be honest, yeah, you've got to spell Sheehan for us. S H W E H A N. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't um, have to because you should. Yeah, that yeah. should be on everybody's lips. But yeah, yeah. Well, people get it confused with Sheeran, but uh, I think when they hear the music, there won't be too much confusion. No, no, no it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. But uh, I thought you could do that as well, knowing you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. Just buy yourself a loop pedal and away you go. <laughs> you know I mean? You're all right. Like techno- technology allows a lot of great things but no Ed Sheeran is obviously he's great he's unbelievable yeah yeah but um, yeah there's plenty there's plenty going there's always plenty going on do you know mm-hmm. what I mean um, uh, I'm doing some Mediterranean cruise as well um, in a few weeks with Glenn Hughes because as I say I've been touring yeah. with Glenn but again another top performer yeah unbelievable and, and again a local fella from Cannock unbelievable this yeah. is the joy of the Midlands you've got some great people I mean, Tony Christie's only living in Litchfield if you wanted to nip over and say hi there's been some amazing talent over the years coming out of the Midlands mm-hmm. and there still is yeah. to be honest with you there still is I mean, people talk about Liverpool and people talk about the Manchester scene and all that well 
yeah, I'm I'm quite biased. I'd say Birmingham holds its own in any mm-hmm. on any front in the world. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and, so. and that spreads out then as far as Coventry, or, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Wolverhampton, Warsaw, yeah, and beyond. It is yeah, quite well, amazing. Slade, do you know what I mean? You yeah. know, it's you know. You couldn't ask for more, could you? Really? You couldn't. No. You couldn't. Okay, so you're going to do a tune for us. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to do a tune called "Let It Roll." Okay, and give me some background. Uh, it's a simple little tune, good feel, vibe. It's, uh, yeah, it's just a good feel tune, to be honest with you. And it's uh, the sentiment is like, don't hold any grudges and just kind of look forward and just get on with life. You know what I mean? And a good motto. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ash, lovely to meet you. Thanks for some of the stories. I know there's a lot more yeah. in there. We'll have to get you back at some point to find out all of that lot. Thank you but, so much. Uh, let's hear some music. Thank you. Let it roll. Certain it's the last of judgment days. We will be together forever in a day. Let it roll, let it roll on down the mountain. Let it roll, let it roll into the sea. Oh, let it flow, let it flow just like a fountain. Let it roll away with me. Let it roll away with me.
Thank you very much. A fantastic live track there from Ash Sheehan. Thank you to him for joining us. We will have another acoustic number from him a little bit later on. With the release of another fantastic romantic novel from Katie Ford, Springtime Affair, she asks us, is your mum your best friend? She's also on the line now to tell us more. Hello. Hello. Well, it's an absolute honour to speak to you for starters because I mean, you are loved by your many millions of readers in the UK and across the globe. Well, that's a nice thought. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell us uh, a bit about uh, the story behind this one, because uh, this latest novel really does examine the relationship between the main character and her mum. It does. It's uh, the first time I've written about a, a mother and daughter in 26 books. Mm -hmm. And um, I was amazed to discover that I hadn't written about this before, because I've written about um, teenagers and all sorts of things like that but I had missed out on the mother and daughter thing which of course is such a rich theme and really really interesting and it gives you the opportunity to uh, once more identify with your audience and I think from talking to your readers uh, when we knew we were having this chat we were all really excited to, to, to find out a bit about this latest novel uh, you know you, you can tell a tale that they actually understand and I, I think that is an important part of writing a novel it's not too fantastic it is actually a, a believable set of uh, stories well I hope so and in this book I've got um, I have got the mother-daughter relationship, but I've also got the question, if you happen as a parent to be living in a rather expensive house because your parents bought it when property was so, so much cheaper, should you actually sell up and share out the money before you die so your children can benefit? And that's another of the questions that is asked in this book. Um, and I think it's a dilemma for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, certainly. Once uh, somebody has passed on, it's also the the, the potential uh, to to fall out within a family as well. And if uh, if mom's the one who's making the decisions, then actually it, it could uh, make for a much smoother transition of those finances when that time comes. Well, I think that that is possibly why my particular character was um, thinking. You know, she just felt. You know, she had to ask herself this question. Should she sell her beloved bed and breakfast so her children could benefit? Um, but there's a lot in there. The, the mother-daughter relationship um, really shows up when the mother starts having um, a man interested in her and her daughter having very mixed feelings. And we have to ask ourselves, is it partly because uh, the daughter liked having her mother is you know, she was the number one person in her mother's life. Mm -hmm. And if she had a boyfriend, maybe, you know, she wouldn't have so much of her mother's time and energy. Now, we, we came to your work in the published form after you'd had a chance to get some experience in life. And do you think that has also helped for the fact that you weren't being published in your 20s, but waited and, and, until such a time as you actually really knew what you were talking about? Well, I do think it's hard if you're published in your 20s because you've only got 20 years of life experience and that will do you one book. It might do you two, but once you're onto your third, you're sort of beginning to run out of it. And to be honest, I was 42 when my first book was on the shelves. I had a publisher when I was 40 and I felt, gosh, 
I'm starting again with a whole new novel and there's absolutely nothing in the fridge, you know. <laughs> I've eaten all the nice food, it's all been used up, and I'm left with that mouldy pepper sticking to the bar <laughs> of the fridge and something at the back that could once have been cheese, you know, and you've got to write a whole novel based on those ingredients. Um, and also, I do have to do a lot more research these days because I've written rather a lot of novels and I've run out of life because instead of rushing around having jobs, and doing all the things that um, young people do. I've been here writing novels, so I've sort of used up my life experience. But then, then you suddenly come across a whole lot of life experience that you haven't used up, like the mother-daughter relationship thing. Mm-hmm. But it, writing certainly within the family, and uh, I mean uh, equally, uh, my sort of work is produced by your cousin by marriage, Jasper Ford. And oh, so, yes. so I often see you next to each other when I'm I'm going out to buy something interesting and slightly weird from him. Uh, but uh, it, it's it it is you know nice to, to to be able to compare writing styles as well. I must uh, guess. Well, I must say when we get together at family events. And we do usually have to be ripped apart <laughs> because we're all so desperate to talk about writing and how's it going and everything. In fact, we often wonder whether we could do events together. But we decided the Venn diagram of his readers and mine, <laughs> where they overlap, might not be huge. <laughs> Although it would be great fun for us, of course, because Jasper's lovely. He's very, very entertaining and funny and such a nice man. I would like to see the collaboration there. That would be quite intriguing. Uh, with, with... <laughs> Maybe something oh. from the air affair could cross over into uh, in, in, into some of your most uh, recent characters. That could prove interesting. Well, that could be. I mean, it could, you could get very complicated. And he's got the sort of brain that could cope with that. <laughs> I'm a much more simple soul. I don't think I'd be able to do that. <laughs> now, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, this latest book is the the bond between mum, Gillian, and her daughter, Helena. And the, the characters in your books, we, we meet new people each time. Yes. I mean, occasionally a character props, uh, crops up from a previous book. I've got a couple who've appeared in about three novels, and then I eventually wrote a Christmas long short story about them, and they were centre stage for that. Mm-hmm. But mostly I start um, with a new left set of characters, um, which is not to say I wouldn't, in an, in an, you know, in the future bring another character back i haven't ever said i won't do it it just it hasn't worked out that like that so far again it depends what's in that fridge doesn't it i suppose well it does depend what's in the fridge if i actually run out of characters that would be really sad (laughs) because i mean how many million sorts of people are there you know about a million probably so um i would be sad to run out of characters but it's all the life experiences and things that you're likely to run out of and have you have you got a favorite that uh stands out for you when when it comes to your first novel? i suppose that is very much a a labor of love that that got you somewhere but um you know what is it what's it like with all the different options that you've got there with your stories do you go back to any to reread yourself even um, well, occasionally I feel obliged to reread one because people talk to me about novels that they read last week and I haven't, you know, seen for about 23 years. So <laughs> occasionally I think, oh, I feel a little bit vulnerable here. But my first novel, of course, did have my entire life in it. Um, I mean, it's got my children in it, uh, although I didn't make them my heroine's children. It's got my, had my keep fit class in it. It had my work colleagues in it. It had my work in it. It had everything in it. Um, only I just did away with my dear husband, which was a bit unfortunate, and turned him into a multimillionaire, 
which I'm sure he'd like to be, but he, he wasn't then and isn't now. But he is still my husband, so that's all right. Um, but I don't really have favourite novels because you're, you're always worrying about the one you're writing. That's the little baby that's at home that needs constant attention, constant nurturing, constant thinking about. And once the novels are actually written and away, you do worry about them and you love them, but you don't have to care about them and you don't have to care for them in quite the same way and so they become sort of a bit less important to you but sometimes I'll look back at a book or um, you know a book will come into my hands and I'll think oh yes I remember that this is the one that's got such and such in it I did like that <laughs> but basically I don't really have favourites uh, um, although some, I suppose, are easier to write than others. But, no, I don't really like to think I've got favourites anyway. It would be like having a favourite grandchild, and that would not be right. It's a little bit naughty. Uh, mm, okay. It would. Yes. But when it comes to the places and settings as well, again, this is also born out of experience, I trust. Well, yes. I mean, it, I set a lot of my books in the Cotswolds. It's where I live. Mm -hmm. It's much easier for me to just look out of the window and describe something than it is to sort of think of a different place. But recently, I've started to set books in Scotland, where I've spent a lot of time mm -hmm. over the years. And about 15 years ago, I wrote a novel set in Scotland, and I did find it awfully hard at the time, because while I'd been to Scotland a lot of times, I'd never been for an entire year. So there were bits of weather as for example, <laughs> and you know, wildlife and trees and all that, that I hadn't really experienced. Fortunately, I had a mother-in-law living in Scotland at the time, and I could ring her up and ask her questions. And in fact, the joy of Scotland, um, and one of the many joys of Scotland, actually, I love Scotland, is that there's always somewhere that's a bit sheltered that'll have the heather out a bit <laughs> early, mm -hmm. and somewhere that's a bit more exposed that'll have the heather out a bit later on. So you could be fairly flexible. Yeah, you've got a chance. I have to, I, I've yes. been to Scotland, I think I've had every season in one day sometimes, but there we go. Well, you can have that, <laughs> except you don't have every wildflower. I mean, that's... That's where you get caught out mm. by eagle-eyed readers. If you mention some wild plant um, and you've got the time of flowering a bit wrong, you can be in big trouble. Well, so <laughs> we, we know you love your research, and uh, you know that is it's part of, of growing these these characters, characters and these books all together to, to bring them to, to life and uh, again I know your readers will be uh, very eager to get their hands on this uh, this latest novel uh, in particular oh. with the, the the whole concept around the uh, the, the family links too because I mean that is something we can all identify with well we do all have families and how we relate to them it varies from person to person really doesn't it mm-hmm well, we will find out how Jilly and Helena get on in your latest novel, Springtime Affair. 20th of February is your release day, and that's the hardback copy, I take it. That is the hardback. So, uh, but if you don't want to buy a hardback, don't forget your local library. Absolutely. And, I mean, your work is hugely popular in libraries, isn't it? Well, it is. Well, at least I hope. It, I mean, it seems to be. Yeah. As far as one can tell, yes, it is. Well, before we, we, we picked up the phone to have a chat, I was talking to my sister, who's a librarian, who was no, hugely impressed that we were having this conversation and, and, and said herself that she knows that people are coming to the libraries, borrowing the books, and then as soon as they've started to get into them, they're going away and buying paperbacks of, uh, of the back catalogue when they're introduced to you. So I think the libraries are working well for you out there. Oh, I think they are. I love the libraries. I mean, you never meet a library uh, writer who doesn't love the libraries. But we all, we all do. I mean, they do work so hard for us. 
and we are so grateful. So do send your sister my very best wishes and big thanks no problem. Well, for sister... being a, writer, a supporter of writers. Well, my sister is called Helen, so we'll give her a big shout out there. And Oh, uh... yes, Helen, your, the book has almost got you in it. I think you just add an add an A to your name, and you're a heroine. <laughs> and, and and that's a great place to be. Well, I'd, very much looking forward to hearing uh, reviews from your readers. Springtime affair available uh, from all good booksellers. I, I do enjoy that phrase. And of course, as we <laughs> say, in your in your library very soon, if not already. Katie Ford, thank you for joining us. Where can we go for more information on all of your releases? Well, you can always go to Katie Ford. Um, www.katieford.com for more information about all my books and everything else. Oh, well worth checking it out. Katie, lovely to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Time for some music now. The brand new single from Mickey Wynn. This is Don't Be a Prisoner, Scott's Lament. Don't be a prisoner to your past You've thrown away your time It's never gonna last it's always on your mind Don't say you can't, you know you can We've all been out of line The gathering of the clan Is always on your mind I've been thinking what you said Just the other day
That's Mick, Mickey Wynn, Don't Be a Prisoner to Your Past, Scott's Lament, his current single. And he joins me on the line now to tell me more about his music. Hello, sir. Hi. Obviously, you've been around the music scene for a little while, so you know what to do when it comes to performing on stage and also getting a song down and uh, available to your adoring public, don't you? I try to, yeah. <laughs> tell us a bit about the uh, the history for those who haven't followed the career so far. I started off as a, a guitar teacher when I first moved down to London. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to college up in Newcastle. Uh, and quickly got involved in uh, the session world as a guitarist. Yeah. Down in London, worked with the likes of Tennis Trent Derby, Vic Keary, working with Patricia Morrison for a while. Um, and bit by bit got more into the production side of it, got interested in the uh, actual recording process, started working as a producer. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I started putting some songs together. Um with me singing them, because I'd always written with other people, with other people singing. But it kind of culminated in putting together an album, which got released last year, of a project which I called The World of Mick. Yeah. Uh, I'm Mickey Wynn. And everything I do now, including this uh, solo project, we're calling The World of Mick. <laughs> and, I mean, this is a world which, uh, when it comes to your live gigs, your audience are very happy to inhabit. And the, the sound itself... I mean, how did you sort of fall into you know who you are musically? I mean, I've always always been into the the blues. Yeah. Uh, I come from come from Liverpool. I've always been into the Beatles. I mean, I still think they're they're relevant now as records and songs they've written. I personally think they've reached timeless status mm-hmm. with the songs, the Beatles and the blues. You know, I, I grew up with. Uh, the sound of Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, um, Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin, then got into the Kings, you know, from that, like B.B., Albert, um, Freddie King, Stevie Ray Vaughan later on. So I've always had that, and, and what I've made uh, in my record, I, I was hoping to sort of do sort of catchy songs that I've written, but also with a blues feel. So it's not like your typical blues, uh, 12 bar, woke up this morning kind of thing, I, I, which I still like. And there's one track on the album, Love and the Woman, which has more of a bluesy format. Mm. But it's more it's more songs in a modern context with a bluesy feel to it. So a bit of my guitar playing, some gospel vocals, well, a lot of gospel vocals on some tracks. Yeah, and your barbershop style bit at the uh, the front of uh, Don't Be a Prisoner. Yeah, it, it's, it is about experimenting as well, I take it. You do like to, to, to say, look, well, I know you can do this, but look, I can do this too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it in the studio. It's like, a, it's like a melting pot, all the different ideas coming out. And then seeing the ideas come into being as a sound is, is a fantastic experience for me. I get such a buzz from it. And, and uh, it's great seeing the the record do well on the likes of Spotify. It's got mm-hmm. many, you know, over half a million streams now. So I must be doing something right. <laughs> Absolutely. Certainly sounds that way. And But you, you, you drag your friends into all this as well, don't you, to make sure they're also part of this world of Mick? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Like I've got uh, Patrick Bergen, who co-write, co-wrote French Blues uh, with me. He's featured on that, doing the spooky... Sleeping with the enemy voice in a French um, in a French accent, uh, doing the French vocal on it. Uh, Annie McCluskey's doing some beautiful accordion playing on there. 
I've even got my cousin, uh, Simon Dundas, playing on one of the tracks. Uh, Phil Sarchi's doing a lot of work on bass, backing vocals. Yeah, so there's a lot of friends involved in the world of Nick, and uh, hopefully someone will be going out live with me as well. We're playing the Dublin Castle on the 25th of March mm-hmm. in Camden, London, yep. and Patrick Bergman's going to be with me that night doing two sets, some of my music, some of his, so that's going to be a blast. But you've been producing videos as well, and I think you've done three with one director now, haven't you? That's right, yeah. Um, Vlad, Vlad Vecilic, I'm very lucky to have met him because he's, he's um, only been in Brighton for the last year. He, he came in from uh, Serbia in Belgrade, and was quite a name over there. And uh, I got introduced to him, and he's done the last three videos, including Don't Be a Prisoner. And uh, I think he's done a great job. I don't know what you think, but... Uh, you know, Temporary Prisoners just topped 5,000 hits on YouTube now with his video, so he must be doing something right as well. <laughs> but when you're putting such an eclectic video, mixture of sounds together, getting the video to go with that and to be able to follow yet still tell a story, that does yeah. require skill, doesn't it? I think so, and, and, and the thing I like about Vlad is he's a musician himself. You know, he's a bass player. He's offered to play bass with me sometimes. As a musician and someone who's interested in the song from a musician's point of view, I think he's got that empathy, that sensibility for my videos when I put the uh, put the songs to video with him. And with the, uh, the the whole album being out there and everything else from the world of me, I mean, we we can expect you to head around uh, the UK. I'm going to guess and be doing festivals over the summer. Yeah, I mean that's what um, that's what reaching out for at the moment. We got a couple couple booked already. Playing the Brighton Fringe on thirty first of May, and I think I'm going to be playing Byline Festival uh, in Sussex in August this year. But yeah, definitely going to take the band on the road. Hopefully, the band that uh, is playing the Dublin Castle on twenty fifth of March in London will be the band that, um, that that does the festivals. I've also been doing a little bit of a TV work in Belgrade, have been playing on the, uh, I think mean, Serbia's most um, popular TV show, uh, <laughs> it's called It's Never Too Late, and yeah. that goes two million people, and I've just been invited back there for the third time on 12th, 13th of March. So That's, that's so brilliant that, news. That, that will mean playing festivals over there, I think, towards the summer, um, so looking forward to that as well, not just playing festivals over here, but playing them abroad talk about me going to America in the next few months we'll see where that goes but uh, yeah that's the idea well, reaching out to festival people well we hope to see you in the Midlands at some point or at least within driving distance uh, to make it a nice easy night because I think look, yeah, look the, to it. With, yeah. The, with the, the way the music's sounding you're going to be popular yeah, pretty much across the UK and as you say across the globe look forward to that mate and uh, yeah in, in, in the Midlands if you come to the festival let me know and uh, we go and have a drink together sounds like an absolutely brilliant plan so aside of me and you arranging drinking habits uh, what can we do to get hold of the music if people want to get this downloaded now yeah okay uh, if you go on Bandcamp there's a download so for people who prefer uh, downloads they go into uh, bandcamp.com the world of Mick and you can download individual tracks there or the whole album and if you like streaming, it's on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all those uh, stores mm-hmm. as the world of Mick. Uh, and we're hoping, talking to a couple of people, getting a vinyl a vinyl album out in the next few months. So that'll be really exciting. I think that'd suit it rather well, don't you? I hope so, yeah. I mean, we're talking stage at the moment, but that's definitely the idea. It'd be a dream for me to get 
Mick One, which is the name of the first album, out on vinyl. Mm-hmm. I'll maybe sign a few copies as well. Sounds good. You, you can't sign a download, unfortunately, can you? But there we no, go. No, you can't. That's the thing about downloads. But, you know, pe- people, people have different preferences these days mm-hmm. and you've got to cater to the different preferences download streaming yeah some people like physically holding an album i do yeah putting Agreed. it on the deck playing it yeah fantastic but it's having like it portable that. too so you can be mick, mix world can be any part of the world during www.mick.world as well to find out more online yeah. and i uh, absolutely yeah. honored to speak to you and looking forward to to much more from you as you head through 2020 great be nice talking to you
French Blues from Mickey Wynn. Fantastic artist, and I'm sure we're going to hear great things from him throughout 2020. With opening night on the way for Jesus Christ Superstar at the Litchfield Garrick, I'm joined now by their director, Johnny McLean, to tell us more. Hello, sir. Hello. How are we doing? Yes, very, very well. We're, up, we're in tech at the moment, and it's all going swimmingly, dare I say it. Yeah, well, which, is, which is good. Uh, obviously, half-term week, uh, which means you've got a chance to get your young rep musical production onto stage. Yes, yeah, it's a new initiative for us with the Garrett Young Rep Musical Group. It's their first show, and we're taking advantage of the half-term to give them the chance to perform sort of in our main house with a bespoke production, which is great. Yeah, really and, exciting. And a good chance for them to explore being on stage, and obviously uh, a great venue and uh, the opportunity for them, for all their friends and family to come along and see them involved. So uh, when did the audition start for all of this? Gosh, auditions were back in August last year, so it's been quite an undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I suppose as you got people together, what, once a week to then get into rehearsals? Uh, yes, we started with an intensive full week of rehearsals, sort of almost normal working hours, um, right at the start, just to help everyone get to know each other and everything like that, whilst we were still in the summer holidays. And then it's been once a week uh, leading up to the show, yeah. And when it came to selecting the cast, I mean, where are these kids drawn from? I take it they've all expressed an interest in being there. You haven't dragged them in off the street. <laughs> no, we haven't forced them to take part, thankfully. So what we do is we always do an open call out to anybody sort of within the age bracket, which for this was 13 to 25, uh, a call out to anybody who'd like to be involved. We audition and see everybody who applies and... Yes, we held auditions and we chose kids who we thought would not only sort of perform and give an incredible performance, but also get some get something special out of being a part of the show. Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about the young rep then. Fabulous. So the young rep, it's in a very, very exciting sort of new structure in that this is the first year we've divided into two groups. We have the Garrett Young Rep Musical Group who are performing this February, next this week even, with Jesus Christ Superstar. And then we have the Garrett Young Rep acting group who are currently working on the tempest which will be coming around in easter holidays so uh, plenty to keep you guys busy then uh, yeah we like to stay busy <laughs> <laughs> and, and obviously th this is going to look absolutely great on stage i mean both of those i take it they're going to be in the main house uh, so the Tempest is a more intimate show mm -hmm. taking place in our studio so we can really transform the space which would be exciting and I think Jesus Christ Superstar just for the pure scale and spectacle I think you probably can't put it anywhere but a main stage yeah <laughs> Uh, and, and with the, uh, the selection of the pieces, uh, I suppose it, it, you know something like a big Lloyd Webber, you know, Tim Rice musical. You've got the score. You've got a, a huge array of acting skills that need to be shown, and a great cross section of people that you can keep in it as well. Yes, yeah. I think for me, what was the reason we ended up choosing Jesus Christ Superstar? I was searching through musicals and musicals and musicals, and eventually kind of had a listen to. JCS and for me what really struck me was the relevance I think that it still has today obviously it's from sort of the 1970s 80s and but it's the, a lot of the themes you know sort of activism people in power abusing that power and that kind of thing it all feels incredibly relevant and I, I gather the idea in my head that we could do it and I suppose make the fact that our cast are young people a strength because you know, I think we're seeing a time of almost unprecedented political activity from young people which is really exciting and sort of to harness that and tap into what that looks like today and then apply it to quite a timeless musical it's been a real 
real challenge, but also a very exciting project to work on. Well, plus the ages of the actual people you're portraying here won't be that far away from some of your most senior members anyway. I mean, Jesus would have been in his early 30s, your oldest member is going to be 25. So, you know, it, it is actually something that's a story which is relevant to the age group who are there. Absolutely, yes. And I think we've often, we've kind of almost asked them to create Jesus, I suppose, as a slightly more ageless character and sort of looking very very much kind of taking script at face value and kind of looked at what the text tells us about jesus as a character and sort of the activism and it's a i think in, a, in today's day and age a story about how sort of i suppose fame and sort of cult of personality can overtake what initially is a great cause and has good intentions is absolutely fascinating still and when are the performances? Because uh, I take it you've got some matinees in there as well as evening shows? We have indeed. So the performances start on Wednesday the 19th and finish on the 22nd Saturday. There are two performances on the Saturday. All the others are evening shows at, I believe, 7.30. And Saturday the 22nd, you've got 2.30 matinee and then a 7.30 evening show. Um, prices... And on Sunday, we all have a rest. I say Sunday's a day of rest. I think that's pretty much in the book that you're taking the story from as well. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the way it works. Well, literalgarrick.com is where you can get your tickets online or the box office on 01543 But, uh, yeah, great work. It is an amateur production, but these guys are going to be the stars of the future, aren't they? Absolutely. I think they've put together a show that I think really is something special. I really don't miss it. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And it's made your directing role quite easy, I'm going to guess. Oh, yes, makes it a dream. That's the way we like. You still got to keep them in check. That's the way it works. Well, it is the uh, the young rep over at the Litchfield Garrick, their musical group, Jesus Christ Superstar, as we say, Wednesday the 19th through to Saturday the 22nd of February, 01543-412121 is the box office number or litchfieldgarrick.com to get your tickets online. Director Johnny McLean, thank you for joining us. No, thank you for having me, Jason. Have a great day. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 557 next week. We'll see you then. Good for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.